when you're playing his when you're playing that song though uh-huh. what we figured out was that um it's much slower than you remember it as musicians uh-huh. it was very slow back and forth dun, 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 yeah dun. i could see that real slow so we kind of up the tempo on it a little bit that's one thing i always liked with a lot of like and i screamed with metal live albums where they'd play it different They'd play the song different or sped up from the album version. Yes. That was always such a letdown because you'd hear this great, great deal. And all of a sudden you get the, the, you know, the studio version. Let's hear how it went. And like, like Green Man Alishi is suddenly. It's flat. It's flat and it's slow and everything. It's good for different reasons, but. I don't even. I'm sorry. Green Man Alishi with the two prong crown. Okay. Let's start the show. For those who do not know. The biggest wrestling spectacular. Names from all over the country. Former champions, I've never seen anything like it. Eddie Graham, Florida Promotion, Vern Gagne, Superstar Billy Graham, Road Warriors, Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee, Bill Watts, Jerry Jarrett, Dory Funk, Harley Race, uh, Nick Bockwinkle. This is Cigars in Conversation with Derek St. Holmes, Esquire. Hello and welcome to Cigars in Conversations, brought to you exclusively at Astro Radio Z and iTunes. I am your co-host, Jay Gilke, and I am sitting here with a true raconteur in the world of professional wrestling. This man has shared the ring with a who's who of talent, that ranges from Dewey Dawson to Dave Damone. It's a good iteration, right? Alliteration. Alliteration, I meant to say. Yes. Okay. Anyhow, well, keep going. Hold on, I'm gonna there. keep going on, on my notes here. A wrestler, manager, trainer, and a commentator who has gentleman caller. Yes. Uh, a man who has uh, shared essays with wrestling publications. And is also the voice of Old Time Wrestling, correct? Yes. Is that right? Yes. I mean, I was kind of flat, right? I'm sorry. Go ahead. He is a true raconteur in the world of professional wrestling. And I forgot my script today. That's why we're doing it this way. The one, the only, Mr. Derek St. Holmes Esquire. Hi. Hi. I'm sorry. I was very distracted because as I looked across the... uh, Looked across the room, I see what I can only guess is an aquarium pump. But uh, just because I've been in wrestling, like the first thing I thought of was, oh, Kyle has an enlarger. Yes. That right there. Yeah, it kind of looks like a penis pump or a yeah, penis Yeah, so I was like, what the hell? I, I know. I figure you guys are freaky, but I didn't, you know, I thought it was more hidden than that. That's Coming funny. out of the box hot today. Well, I, hey. good. Uh, apparently. It, yeah, because of wrestling. You. It warps you. Rest, everything in wrestling right. is warped. It's just seediness and it's craziness. Yes. Yes. Um, but so I recorded you. I recorded you doing old time wrestling. So Yeah. So that shouldn't have been like a maybe I'm the commentator of old time wrestling. Ooh. Oh no. Kyle throwing shade. No, I'm sorry. I yes, I fully admit I do commentary for them. I was just distracted and trying to process what I was seeing as you threw it to me there. And I was just like, oh my God. Oh, okay. It's an aquarium pump. Did you notice he has some kind of like 
smashing hammer on the table next yes, to video game Yes, but that's for things. his, uh, his uh, archaeology his documentary. Archaeology. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. Which, if you guys don't know, Kyle's working on a documentary about archaeology. Paleontology. I'm getting all the words wrong right. today, nope. aren't I? No, nope, because a good a good listener of our uh, listeners of ours are archaeologists and such. Serious? Yes. One guy out of lacrosse. Very nice. So I just want to get it right because yeah, it's oh, respect for every discipline on its own. And if I misquoted the equipment used, I'd rather be corrected. I mean, let it never be. We have love for all the archaeologists and the. Paleontologists. Well, all sorts of history. All science so, is cool. Yes. Science in general is cool. I agree. Um, science is a fantastic thing. So anyhow, uh, <laughs> this is a weird one today, and I want to start this out before we even start this episode. I just want to say there are going to be some terms, uh, phrases, things that are said that don't reflect my opinion, Derek's yeah. opinion. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of, as observers, taking a look at this topic. And um, we mean we're nothing but love in this room, right? Uh, <laughs> right? Get your hand off my knee. Yes. Uh, hand on your knee, yeah. the other hand going for the pump, and the Easy. other hand on the... <laughs> 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 so, but seriously. Picking up the noise. No, seriously, the, this doesn't reflect... Um, let's just dive into it. Yeah. Top. Go ahead. No, so, it, I, you know, I'll and I, I brought around. this, I brought this up to you and, um, I think it's a great topic. I, I don't know if you're so convinced on this, but I really think that discovery, uh, discovering, discussing race and, um, stereotypes and things in wrestling, uh, how we've grown up and what we've seen, what we've been exposed to. Cause there is quite a few, um, there are by today's standards. You're a teacher. Yes, uh, there are quite a few things by today's standards that would be fairly offensive, and oh, clearly could never be done at, at this point in wrestling. So I just wanted to, to us to look at that, and you were like, "Meh." So I, I don't feel it's. I feel it's a very shallow topic, simply because all of wrestling is based on us versus them. Sure, that's a, a baby face is supposed to inspire the people. And the heel is whatever those people are against. Right. So it's always been very easy, different nationality, different race, different blah, 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 blah. And as a result of that, much like wartime propaganda and things like that, it becomes very easy to fall into the stereotypes to further convey this is an other. Right. So, And once you get past that fact, I feel that everything else is kind of on the table sure so but speak. i mean but uh, some of the things i texted you earlier that we were, were going to talk about is i really do think that there are tropes in wrestling that have occurred over the years that to someone not familiar with the business would make absolutely zero sense whatsoever where did we come up to, with that or how did they come up with that idea absolutely and, i mean, i understand what you're saying but i'll be curious for exact examples sure because the things that I'm immediately thinking of are readily apparent. Okay, so that we'll go, and I'm going to jump right in on a big one for me that okay. I, th I think that this is just one of those things that we kind of, I guess, have come to expect over the years. Um, and you were involved with uh, your good don't, friend Rocco. Don't paint me. No. Okay. <laughs> um, the uh, Rocco did um, Clawhold. Sure. Fanzine. Sure. I have every issue. Uh, love it. 
it's still one of those things I will go back and visit. Right. One of my favorite names of one of the columns is like Blood on the Wombat. Sure. Was one of my favorite. Um, but he did a whole uh, issue on the mist, the different color oh, like, yeah, uh, yeah. on the mist. I helped him do so that. So that's a great example where my wife said, well, why? Like she saw what might have been Tajiri or something. I took her to ECW back right. in the late 90s because <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah. Did that work? I took my, my wife and her brother to go see ECW. And Tajiri did the mist. Right. And she's like, why does he do that? And I'm like, and the only thing I can think of is saying is like, cause he's like a Japanese wrestler. And that's kind of what I've been conditioned to think that they do. Uh, yes. Go ahead with that. So that's what a, I'm I saying. Have, well, but no, that's I have my, a point from the, uh, um, the PBR show. Okay. Yeah. So, ran. but this is to me, and that's what I'm talking about. That's a trope. How many times have you, like, you're looking at Kabuki, you're looking at Tajiri. They've, they both did it, which I think that like stores, like, in the world of wrestling, weren't they related somehow? Uh, no, they... Muta was. Muta was. To that be was the it. Son. Muta did it. You have three Japanese guys, all three of them doing the the mist. Uh, Killer Khan. Killer Khan. Although Killer Khan probably did it because they did the mist. And somebody right. Somebody in right. the office said, "Hey, you're going to start doing this." Yes, but that's. I mean, it's one of those things where it becomes that weird trope in wrestling that certain Asian wrestlers blow mist. Right. I think, let's see, I believe, I, I'm going to go ahead and say maybe Kabuki was the first one. I'm not 100% yeah. sure. But I want to say that goes back to something, I'm just guessing it goes back to something in the Asian imagery of like an ink-spitting dragon or something like that. Okay. I, I don't know that, or an ink-spitting demon. Sure. Uh, I guess, I guess that's what I think of. So I can kind of... I mean, I, I I hear what you're saying. Just like, why does this? Why can this one person do it? Kind of like, why can any person throw fire? Right. Um, I guess I'm just trying to say I can kind of see where it comes from, but I would say that that's not. Oh no! I, I, but that's I can't an age. That, but I'm saying, but that is the trope. That yeah, is well, the that's thing a that... it's a it's a wrestling oriented trope. That's not something that you would have seen like in World War II propaganda. Right. Exactly. But it's it, no. Uh, I keep going back to that. Because I do, uh, if you know, research it, a lot of stuff has been cut out of cartoons and stuff like that of the things that things that were published at that time that don't reflect current mores, but just the heavily caricatured pictures of our enemies in, in right. either war, uh, where their certain physical characteristics were accentuated or other things, languages made fun of, you know. It, stereotypes and and you know just outright racism that was exhibited at that time um but i can see where the asian mist is a wrestling only version of that right so maybe it's not necessarily offensive yet because it is is cool right it's great and no it's like one of my favorite things ever in wrestling but i'm just saying it's a trope of like how does it? How do we get to that point? What is the thing that gets us there? And again, you were Gary like Gary Hart. Gary Hart, right? Well, and I think some of the things just like you brought up the great point of um, the us versus them, mm-hmm. and like the America America versus foreigners aspect of it. And I think it's interesting when you look at the two. Well, you look at and I well, feel. Well, wait, it's not. It's not necessarily America versus foreigner. It would go back to Eastern, 
Eastern European nationality versus another Eastern European nationality. Sure. Oh, sure, you know? sure. I guess I'm just kind of thinking it. So, I mean, in, it always gets reduced down to. Right. Um, but, I mean, I guess what I'm saying to that, though, is I'm looking at it in more of a territorial U.S., like purebred uh, wrestling as we know it, 60s, 70s, 80s, like what we kind of talk about. And I think about the, again, the tropes of the quote-unquote foreigners, and not even so much the, the us versus them, but like how they have been represented uh, these different nationalities are represented over time. And I always, I think it always breaks down to two different ways. You either have your foreigner that's a bad guy. Right. Your Iron Sheik, your Sheik, your Sheik. I don't know because I'm just kidding. But no, but we have, you know, the Sheiks, the Russians, those. The great Mephisto. Right. The sneaky, the sneaky Adon Japanese type. That, right. You have all, I just said rice instead of right. I meant to say Skandor right. Skandor Akbar. Skandor, yeah. So you have all of these. Uh, interesting characters, Alibaba. but then here's the other one: the gullible, naive, babyface foreigner. Yes, uh, Outback Jack, right? Yes, like kind of the silly. I'm just here. Oh, and this guy showed up from this other country, and he's here to fight fair and be a good guy, and he offers his hand and ends up getting trounce because he's the good guy foreigner that's right. come when they try to put that over well because he's uh uh naive right right you know, and just hasn't been hardened way. by the world yet exactly so from the old country right right he's not used to the ways here and that there are sneaky people that would be dishonest but you don't want to make him mad right because then when once because he's off childlike yeah. strength will erupt and then he will get uh who was it roger kent was always uh, fancy for saying when somebody would get mad, like when Ganya would get mad. Oh, he's getting that French temper up. Yes. Or when the German got or von Raschke. Oh, he's getting that German, German temper, temper up. up. Right. So right. it was always funny to find out the nationality of the wrestler when they'd get angry there. And to look at a lot of those characters and how they kind of can go in and out. Really, it's it's to me. I find it uh, fascinating how they're used and where they fit into the territories and their positions on the. On the cards and just like well, how it's just used. a heel trope or a heel or a baby face. Sure, trope. sure. So now you're breaking down the character, and then unfortunately, you break down the character. It's very neutral, where the situations you described either evil or naive. But then you would go into using some of the more offensive stereotypes in order right. to portray or convey that this is a foreigner from X country. Right. Right. Yeah. It's. Uh, I'm always surprised at these things. Just like I say, I think it's, and of course you can see it in movies and, uh, but when it comes to wrestling, there are some that just really stand out to me as somewhat bizarre. Um, we talked about the Asian mist. Right. Um, and I know Blassie and we go back to like Blassie and Tolis did the Monsel's powder, but you think like the Mr. Fuji in the sand in the bucket of the sand and like, uh, it no, goes, no, but no, that's that the wasn't sumo. sand, that was salt. Or the salt, I mean, sorry. Yeah, but that the was salt, the sumo. W- see, that made sense, though, because the salt, that ritual was used. Plus, right. when that was introduced, you know, uh, after World War II, like, that was an easily recognizable. Right. No, I thought that was good. Or, like, when you think about, with the exception of newer um, Samoans, if you will, or island-type island, right. island type people, again, I, well, however you would describe it, they were always savages, couldn't speak. Right. right, always. Uh, well, no, not not necessarily always savage because, like Peter Maivia. Well, right. He wasn't a savage. He was a king, so he was he was more eloquent. Yes, 
But for you're looking at the wild Samoans, yeah, whatnot. Well, and, and any any number of savages previous to that, like the Elephant Boy or whatever. And even um, didn't the SST weren't they when they were in uh, Samoan SWAT team when they were? Yeah, I'm NWA. familiar with the SST. <laughs> How, who the hell do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Sorry, Jeez. I don't know. Uh, but weren't they? I, I I feel like they might have just been grunters and groaners yeah yeah that, they, like, they, they didn't really much. talk they always had the manager but they didn't they weren't out there with spears or anything like that that was kamala no that was kamala but also uh there were um now i can't think of the original not sam steamboat but there were other island sure. characters back then but there was like then there was the difference between like the fiji islander ones right. that were more of like the uh um the flowered lay right and um polynesian island but then there was like the savage samoan right uh one which is always the trope now if i were to say to you like and this is what i guess what i'm getting at with this if i were to say to you canadian wrestler what are the tropes what are the stereotypes of a canadian wrestler not many you don't think so no you don't think like submission no wrestler no there's, I don't know. There's more Canadian wrestlers than the hearts. I understand there are more Canadian wrestlers than the hearts, but I feel like that was always a, like it tied to it, like, ooh, like submission wrestling was uh, big for Canada. No. Not at all? No. Okay. What about if... Uh, uh, if anybody anybody that agrees with Jay, please, I'm willing no, to hear I your point, feel like, but I think but you're just... You think I think that, you're just pigeonholing it for things you know, but there was business all over... And I get that. I know Bad News Allen. You had a lot of different guys up again. There that stampede, but you're 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 I, leaving out Montreal. You're leaving out Newfoundland. Sure. You're leaving out Al Tomko. Sure. No, I get that. But I'm saying. But I think like when as a wrestling fan, I feel like there are things that you could hear, or like you hear a nationality, and it's something you would expect from that character. Uh, but submission wrestling, I would think you could just as easily say Japanese wrestler. Sure. Well, no, and I agree, yeah. but that's that's my next one. What would you think Japanese? It, uh, even, and even generalized. You could say knee-length tights. Knee-length tights, yes. Which were also for Islanders, but I always liked Right. Them. The knee-length tights were a right. good Japanese one. Again, I'd associate mist with Japanese wrestlers. I'd associate uh, like a mystical religion thing with uh, the, the Japanese. Salt. The salt. No, so wait a minute. What are we trying to do here? Are we just trying to list the racist tropes for every... No, well, we're going to just for this maybe two or three minutes. Okay. We have a lot. There's a lot of ground to cover here. Okay, because then you've got the sneaky and the... Right. Uh, uh, unintelligible interviews. You right. Know, all sorts of stuff. This is what I'm saying. This is what we're trying to open up to. And it's not just this vagary of like, well, there's a couple things, but there really is... This setup style for how we see things or how we see these yes. these wrestlers. I, I would venture to say it's a very simplified way to present things so that it would be uh, received properly by the intended clientele. Sure. Which was why you would use all of these racist things because you had to convince Mildred in Backwater, Kentucky, oh, this is a Japanese person. Oh, this is a blankety blank right this is a other blankety blank or whatever now do you feel that nationality was also used as a, an attraction piece absolutely just like we're you know we talked well, about new york before. was based totally on that well right 
And I what I mean, but like when you're looking at like uh like well, I guess like Mil Mascaris, right? Right. Completely he was someone they'd bring in one of those kind of attraction piece right. wrestlers, Kamala. Um, would that also have been for African American wrestlers specific ones or was uh, it Yes. I mean in every territory you'd have one of blank and there were racist names associated with having a Hispanic on the card or having an African-American on the card or, you know, any number of blank, like this is my, this is the position I need filled by this. But you could also use this by saying, oh, I also need a muscle guy and I need a fat guy and I need some quick workers that can take a lot of bumps, you know? So it was all different categories of workers, but at one point in the territory program, this was all protected so that you would only have one. Um, as an example, there are some names I've heard, you know, just random yeah, sure. books and everything. Uh, there are African-American wrestlers out there that would actively sabotage any other African-American wrestler so that they could be the one on the, the card. Main, the main one yeah. on the card. So... In a lot of cases, you hear people say, oh, so-and-so were racist. They didn't like my... Sure. You know, they didn't like my my bent or whatever I was, but they would help me out versus people of my own kind would try and sabotage me. Right, so okay, that, that makes kind sense. kind of a weird way to look at it. Yeah. I just, uh, when looking back and seeing how... Uh, wrestlers of different nationalities were used on different, well, in different territories for that matter, or on different cards and where they placed. Uh, I do find it fascinating that um, there was such this, I don't say it's explicit, but it was almost like, like you said, there was one specific African-American or there was one specific uh Italian and and on some shows, like someone portraying that. So like when someone like Bruno is in New York, right. And he's over in New York and he's their main guy. The rest of the cut, like there is no other focused on Italian, so to speak or anything. Right. That that show that they were kept down at that point. Well, I mean, there were other Italians on the card, but sure. Everybody else going into that situation would know that there's a ceiling to where they're going to be able to rise to. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you always wanted to go in as a heel because you could work against Bruno and get the you know right. the main event payoffs. Right. But you'd have a job, but you'd only go so far. Sure. This is also the same to other territories like in uh, Tennessee. Babyfaces knew they weren't going to get over Lawler. So... There, there would be a ceiling, or when people would go to Texas and work around the Von Erichs. Well, they're going to be at the top, but I'm going to have a job for a while. Right now, do you feel when looking at old tapes or watching old shows, how how do you view wrestling as far as when it comes to race and race relations? Because I look at some old tapes, I look at things from Memphis sometimes, or I'll look at stuff from Florida. We've talked about Junkyard Dog and right. Mid South, and I feel like wrestling was very progressive. I feel like there were times where, you know, you were getting, and this is the term that's been going around a lot lately, is like, it was a different time. You were able to say different things about, uh, you know, a heel was able to 
um, I had texted it to you. There is that one. There's a pr- uh, promo that Bob Orton cuts where he calls Mr. T a uh, porch monkey. Right. Which, again, terrible. Absolutely terrible. Now that would be he'd be kicked out and would right. never have to get to wrestle again. But back then. <laughs> for a while. It, right. For a while. And it would. Uh, but it's one of those things where um, I feel like wrestling is so there's the stereotype of a character but then at the same time, it's so progressive because these promoters were so willing to put people of different nationalities over. Like I look at Bill Watts putting over JYD, um, yes. and getting. And I just think that it's like down south, junkyard dog, that time frame, um, a world, a different world than the way we are now. But being able to take a chance on something like that. So I guess what I'm, I'm just asking you: What are your thoughts on it? As far as like. Do you think wrestling was progressive? Do you think they were just taking chances? Do you think that it was just kind of right place, right time? I th- well, ultimately, they were doing what was going to make them money. Right. Uh, d- sure. Bill course. Watts looked at his population base and said, I'd be a fool not to push an African-American in these areas. Uh, right. Okay. So, sure. So he became the golden boy. Right. Now, uh, JYD as the golden boy had Watts's booking empire behind him you know so i'm not saying watts didn't build it up but that's really what racism was about um it, what was your question again? no i know i guess like how do i view it because i don't i don't view wrestling as progressive at all because it used these tropes you're saying it's almost like well, exploitive it, you, than more so than progressive oh absolutely that's okay, the that's word i'm, I'm looking like, for so, yeah yes. so it's like it's more exploitive than it is yes. actually progressive oh yes absolutely so i it's funny. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that, a, thank you for, thank you for uh, giving me. Incidentally, I want to thank you for posting that video of uh, tearing the cards. Yes. Because I've had a lot of difficulty with it lately, but I was able to look at that and see something I was doing wrong. So, oh, fantastic. Then poop popped, popped deck the other night. So see? I was happy. I'm always, I'm looking out for you. Thanks, Jay. Uh, but again, so I guess going but back no, to. But no, wrestling then. is very exploitative. And the only reason race was used or exploited or presented was because it would draw money somehow so look okay so then take a case like sputnik monroe yes someone you covered sure uh you did you read about him yeah i read i i I didn't i I never met him i know i know but i'm saying but like do you look at something like that that is viewed as this um stands for equal rights more as just well it was just an exploitive moment that somebody took advantage of a situation and it's getting painted in a certain light now I'll say yes, but for different reasons. Because some of the some of the thought or some of the conversation now is that that whole deal of integrating the Coliseum was actually uh, who was it? Herb Welch's idea. Oh, really? But in case it didn't work, put all the heat on Sputnik Monroe. Ah, interesting. Which isn't to say that Sputnik wouldn't have... And this is all conjecture. It's not like Yes, very process. much conjecture. Everybody's passed away. If anybody hears it or knows part of the story, I do recommend a lot of Mark James's material. Okay. I uh, got a lot. Got a few of his books lately. We can, okay. We can discuss those at some point. Um, not saying Sputnik wouldn't have supported it or didn't have the idea, but like even that was driven by dollars. Sure. So... Okay. No, and that's... This is what I'm saying. It's it's the business, as it's portrayed in certain lights, in certain ways, uh-huh. can be viewed as being, again, quote-unquote progressive, but then you look at it and it's more exploitative than anything else. It's incredibly exploitative. Right. Yes. And is able to masquerade itself in that direction or with, like, 
to an extent, I guess, at that point. But like, I, I totally lost what you were. That's just okay. Saying. Don't worry about it. Okay. I feel like you're you're uh, you're still messed up on that pump over the pump. No, bit. no, I've come to terms with that. But what about thinking about even down south when it? Comes they don't work, by the way. You know, you can get stuck in them. So it's true. Um, Kyle, I mean, <laughs> whatever. All about do, pushing Kyle. the boundaries, but just just be safe. What about when it comes to down south? When it comes to the like, the, the southern yeah. territories? And pushing the buttons of the audiences. Right. And not looking, not even the integration stuff, but looking at the what characters. Ti- what time period? Uh, let's go like 60s and 70s. Okay. All right. You have um, a lot of different characters coming out from down there. Do you feel that? What? A lot of characters coming out. A lot out of characters down there. coming out. No, but you have a lot of guys coming through and working down right? there. And I feel like a lot of the stuff that we've done and we've researched over time and doing this podcast now and over a year is that I find out that I feel that a lot of times the minority, the African American, whoever it might be, has been portrayed as the baby face. Yes. In a lot of those situations. And is that the tie into that is the Southern populations going to wrestling shows were minority lower middle class income yeah you can't like, really say can't that. tie that in i don't know i'm that's what i'm asking you these no. are the, like what are your thoughts on that lillian carter went to wrestling in the south come on well that's lillian carter what do you mean well i'm no no i mean wrestling cut across all demographics because it was a huge business you sure. can't say it was just toothless inbreds and i'm not going to wrestling. right and but i'm but why but, would you feel that 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 so many times was it an easier well, in target a, in for a that? lot of, well in a lot of times or a lot of cases they were afraid to make the especially the African American a heel cuz he'd get lynched or he'd it would get be, shot it would cra- be that yeah. crazy yeah i guess and i would look and at so it and so that was very uh, Ernie Ladd was very instrumental in pushing that paradigm of no i'm going to be a heel this will draw money sure stuff. that makes sense but that also Again, so that you'd have the face heel change and just how the business was run back then, suddenly a credit to his race would suddenly become, for lack of a better term, uppity. Sure. You know, so it, it would be hard. It wouldn't just be based on their actions in the ring. It would be based on, you know, just a simple stereotype of their color. Oh, he's one of them. He must be blank. Right. And... It seems like it'd be easier for, well, of course, for a white heel to get heat on a, so we'll, we'll say a, a black wrestler by calling him boy, saying all kinds of different. Oh, uh, sure. Th- but that slang. was all. Right. Yeah. And I, this is where it's such a fascinating thing for me because I see that. And a great example. We're going to go back to JYD. It was. Uh, Michael Hayes calling JYD boy uh-huh. was one of the things that really sparked the feud between those two. Um, that's like one of those stoking the fire right, kind right, of thing right. that, that happened down there. And you think about the sensibilities of people. Again, that term, it was a different time. And people were a little bit uh, freer when it came to their expressions for um, their opinions on race. And, I don't know if freer is the word well, I would use, but but people I, I see are a little bit point. more willing to express themselves in the and like how they felt. I mean, I think people are still doing it now, 
As long as they know they're not you're, getting videotaped. I mean, you're always free to express yourself. It's a matter of how... Appropriate? Appropriate, yeah. Or ignorantly you choose uh, to... Right. No, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. But I'm saying it's interesting to see because we've all been to wrestling shows, right? You've been to one, Derek, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I was just at one last night. There you go. So we've all been to shows, even recently. I ate four free hot dogs. <laughs> there you go. And one handshake saying thanks for your time. Uh, I don't recall a handshake, actually. Really? Just yeah. four hot dogs and thanks for your time? Yeah. Well, it was a it was a benefit show. We knew that. No. Okay. And it was Hot close. dogs are good? I was home in time for SNL. That's all that so matters. I was happy. Um, but no, what I'm saying is that you have these people that... Uh, and not these people. I'm sorry. And I'm not trying to generalize. I think that's where the problem is, where it's coming. As I feel what like, what do you I'm, mean, you people? Right. I'm generalizing this Listen as this you have people making had that have ignorant views or people that have a specific way of thinking, and wrestling was able to take them at the those fans and make them cheer for someone like a junkyard dog, even though their views might not have pol- politically correctly aligned. With him as so you're were, saying, junkyard dog would have had non African American fans. I'm saying that there were people who might have been more willing uh, at the time, or been willing to speak. I don't want to say uh, well negatively about how other about other there's, there's a lot of people that would I'm cheer dancing him. around words because I don't want to say say something wrong. Here. A lot of people would be cheering to or uh, wanting to cheer him and buy a ticket to see him. May not want him. Parking, at their, at their yeah. house. Yes, and exactly. But the way that, that it gets structured, the psychology yeah. of the business, they were able to get that done. Yes, yeah, they were able to change and you know draw money out of the situation, even if you know right. they wouldn't feel that way in real life. They're able to transport people out of that. Right, and you think about how race in general played into so many different things that. So subtly in the business too, and whether it was in the, I know you're like, eh, well, but. But think about it. No, I, I I have to explode with another concept. Yes, here. please. Now, recently, obviously, in the WWE and, and other times, like all of these aspects of being a foreigner or being a someone else have been drummed out of the business to make everybody athletes, right? And. I understand where the business has to do that. It has to evolve, especially to exist in a society such as we have today. And again, it's it's making money. People are people are getting rich. Blah 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 blah. But it's very much not the professional wrestling that I originally walked into and sure. fell in love with. Uh, absolutely. And so I just personally. I realize that some of these things are very insensitive, and I'm not saying I enjoyed the interviews where somebody gets called boy, but there are tropes of wrestling that we've danced around that we, like I have wanted to mention, like the hard heads of certain races and yeah, certain absolutely. nationalities of people. I like to see that because to me, that still falls under my rubric of wrestling as right. opposed to this ultra, ultra athletic, ultra speed freak competition. That right happens right now which is fine again guys are making money uh i do often laugh and observe about the changes that i've seen on how they make their money and how the business is communicated through social media and such like that i just tisk and i first it it afraid me like ah i can't believe they're doing that but then i just laugh and say okay this is what they have to do now right no for sure that's fine it still breaks my heart when i see the 
main eventers with their t-shirts hung on the ring ropes like a flea market but Ugh, people do that's, that that's how they got to make their money so Ugh. good on it for them yeah uh but it, it doesn't <laughs> fall into doesn't fall into my wrestling no, so but now but now what i want to explore yeah. is can it be professional wrestling if it doesn't use these racist tropes that we keep talking right. about? Right. No, absolutely. And I All think right. that's where I'm I don't at. have the answer. No, and I know, I, but I, I understand that. But what I, I guess my my point to my counterpoint to what you just said, and I agree point with you. And your counterpoint. Yes, both. I will do both. I do, I get exactly that what pump, you're saying. You'll be able to. Yes. Um, We've moved away from it clearly, yes. and we're not the kind. I mean, I, we're not going to sit here and be like the back. And yeah, day, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I, I realize the the reasons why the business has to change. I don't have to, right? You know, but it made it's neat though how those things, those tropes, those stereotypes, how they made sense in wrestling at that time. Yes, and you were absolutely right. The like the hard head. Well, who would that was that like that's like a Samoan thing, wasn't it? It was a Samoan and African American thing, right? Always. So that was always heads. the big thing. Um, my friend in New York told me about when you get the Samoans going against like Rocky Johnson and SD Jones. It's like, what happens when they headbutt each other? Right. You know, who's going to win that? Right. You could build a whole match around that spot. Yeah. But now, it's just not there. Yeah. Um. But again, another thing when you think about wrestling, you think about. Do you have something to say, Kyle? Are you just leaning forward? Here, Kyle has something to say. Let's hear from Kyle. I feel like we uh, there's less of it now, but it's still there. Um, in terms of these uh, racist tropes, like I think, for example, Rusev coming in as this person who is uh, kind of Russian, right? At a time when, right now, in America. And Russia don't have the best relationship. It's still using that trope. There's just less of it, but well, it's it, not gone. Well, is he the evil foreigner? Uh, he was for the longest time. They just sort of switched him up now to not being evil. But for the longest time, he was the evil foreigner. Well, he's been acclimated. So that was a way to still use it. No, I'm. I agree that it still exists, and I think it still needs to exist because of the whole us versus them thing. Right. I'm sorry. I keep wanting to say us and them, and after all, we're only ordinary men. <laughs> Very nice. Yes. yes. Okay. I gotcha. Um, yeah, men, and I, it, men, it is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Dun, 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 dun. Very good. So you should just do that, like one man band. Just one man band, Dark Side of the Moon. I think it's. I mean, it's, it's in your future. Um, as a kid, were you aware of these things? Oh, wait, you're doing a solo. Hold on. <laughs> when you were a kid, were you aware? How do you feel? Bring, bing, bang, 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 bang. Oh my goodness, we've gone off the rails. When you were a kid, Mr. Holmes. Should I be singing this like Roger Waters <laughs> as we do this? I guess boom, is boom, that the boom. All right, you're gonna keep going, aren't you? That's in my head now. That's true. Uh, the song "True" by Spandau Ballet has been in my head all day. By the way, oh, I will be amazed. I am amazed at how the song "Time" has changed for me over the years. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now I'm just since we're already off this. This, this horrible issue that we're discussing here. Well, we're not uh, done yet. It sir. was announced on the radio today that it was 27 years ago that Stevie Ray Vaughan died. Yes. Which means it's 27 years ago that I moved away to college. Oh, wow. So that kind of hit me hard. 
And today you restarted college. Yeah, but I want to talk about that on the air. I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just bringing it up because I'm I know just you bringing hate it, it up because I thought, hey, yeah. man, that's the way to be. Uh, so, and I was going somewhere with this. Oh, yes. uh, the song "Time" from Pink Floyd. Now, before it was just cool. Now it's just like, oh, now I'm all depressed. I could see that. Yes, shorter of you breath. You seem very depressed a lot. Shorter of breath and one day closer to death. Um. Oh, one of the favorite stories yes. that I've loved from Mondo that I've told people, and I don't remember if it's true, but I want to sure. remember it this way, is you had a band there that was uh, like, it was a bunch of older gentlemen. Yes. Uh, like, it was early on, like the yes. first or second one. And the bass player, I think, played a standing bass. Yes. And when they did their set, they came back upstairs, and I saw the bass player, and I said, hey, that's a good set, man. He just goes, another 15 minutes closer to the grave walks away and i was like that's the coolest thing i've ever heard uh, yeah it's about right <laughs> yeah it's about right just, just another 15 minutes closer to the grave in my classroom when a student says something that i find irritating or uh -huh. they don't pay attention i will say like that's 15 seconds of my life i'm not getting back yeah you owe me 15 seconds they, the kids don't understand that. No, yeah, I've, I've had to explain it a little yeah. bit, but that's that. Speaking of kids, okay, you were a kid once, a long yes. time ago, and you'd be watching wrestling, and I can think of quite a few uh, promos and things that I've seen or angles that I've seen where I remember even as a kid it just didn't sit well with me because I did find it a little bit, not to say offensive, but it was just kind of somewhat in poor taste. Um, I always found, and we talked about this a little bit in the midget episode, uh, the part when Roddy Piper shaved... Uh, Haiti kid's head. Yep. Um, that felt wrong for many different reasons. I never, uh, I always thought that one was, just seemed offensive at, on a uh -huh. few, few different levels. Um, definitely hearing uh, racial slur, not slurs, but I would chuckle at Jesse Ventura calling Tito Santana Chico Santana. Um, but he always had a ton of uh, jokes. Do you consider yeah. that? racist in the business or racism or do you think it was just rickles ish of the time don rickles style making those kind of jokes well Vent ventura was more rickles ish yeah like calling okay i might not be in a space to understand this so i fully accept responsibility sure. for that but i i have difficulty seeing why calling tito santana chico santana is racist is there any that you saw and you were ever just like, ah, uh, like not. And I'm no, not I was actually it. mostly upset about when Adrian Adonis introduced his homosexual, his gay gimmick. Really? I did not like that at all. I thought that was very exploitative and like. So you didn't like it, like didn't, it didn't because didn't need it was to exploitative, go there. Uh, exploitative towards uh, homosexuality. You weren't like, oh, he's, he's gay. No. No, you just didn't like it. You didn't think it had a beat. Yeah, I didn't think it was a good gimmick, but I was also enough of a mark that I was like, he's such a good worker. Why would they do this to him? Right. Blah, 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 blah. But I also didn't like the whole... I, 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 I thought that that was a very... Well, okay. I was outraged by that, but this outrage later turned to my frustration at wrestling for be rendering itself indefensible to critics. Explain. For example trying to sell somebody on wrestling as this athletic contest when all of a sudden giant Gonzalez walks out there in a fur covered bodysuit. Sure. And okay. it's like, I uh, can see that. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> right. You know, no, and that, yeah, so, it ruins the, the, 
not that the sportsmanship of it, but it ruins just well, kind of. Yeah, it, it just it becomes feel, its it own stereotype. It yes. makes you look foolish. Yeah. Not that I need any help to look foolish. Right. Which then I guess is a. Uh, Thank you for no selling me. Yes. Sure. <laughs> uh, which then I guess is uh, credit to someone like Undertaker who was able to get a gimmick over. Right. And when that first came out, it was kind of, uh, but Vince was very character driven at that time. Right. So it was so just kind of like, uh, the, the, um, what was I going to say? Oh, the, I was th- thought that the way that there was the handling of even, was it, um, Tony Atlas? Did he do Saba Simba? Yes. Like that, felt bad to me yes and there was a lot of backlash like that gimmick was probably 10 years too late for being able to get away with doing something that plus everybody knew it was tony atlas yeah i'd say on top of the fact that at that point it's clearly tony atlas and you know there's no way you repackage that Uh, i can register that as a wrestling fan my frustration was was more with the whole guy god vince why are you doing this why why can't you just have wrestling Cigars and Conversations presents Mailbag. Dramatic readings of fan letters culled from the pages of classic wrestling magazines. This time around, we will be looking at fan letters from the November 14th issue, 1989, of The Wrestler. Comeback Kids. When wrestling fans look back on the year 1989, it may well be remembered as the year of the comeback. Many felt the career of Dusty Rhodes was drawing to a close when he was forced to give up the U.S. championship in 1988. But instead, he rebounded, and he won the PWF title and has now established himself as a major force in the WWF. Oh, Terry Funk, he returned to the NWA with a vengeance, taking Ric Flair to the limit in a determined bid to wear the gold once again. Ken Patera, Brad Rangans, both toiling in relative obscurity for the past few years. Well, note they did. They joined together to capture the AWA tag team title. It's always exciting to follow the progress of young rising stars like Jeff Jarrett and Bryant Pillman. It is also nice to know that some of the veterans can still get in there and show the others how it's done. Jim Bradley, Jackson, New Jersey. Sorry, Liz. I couldn't believe my eyes when I read Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down in your September 1989 issue. You guys gave Elizabeth a thumbs up for leaving Randy Savage. You wrote that Elizabeth had had enough of Savage's roughhouse tactics and that she sent a message to all women across the country. Do not allow men to bully you. Elizabeth, a courageous woman? Give me a break. If she really was courageous, she would have left Savage back in 1986. Christine Poniatkowski, Forest Park, Illinois. From Down Under. Your magazine is one of the best wrestling magazines there is. But I think you should have more of Eddie Elner's columns and more stories on Australia's greatest wrestler, Bill Superstar Dundee, and less on Dusty Rhodes. 
I don't know how some people can complain because on some NWA TV programs, the show ends before the end of the match. Here in Australia, we don't even get to see the NWA, the AWA, or World Class. And as of August 8th, we hadn't even seen WrestleMania 5. And if we want to watch the WWF, we have to stay up until 1 a.m. Travis Murphy, Melbourne, Australia. Don't mess with Lex. I have a question for Brian Donahue. You know, the guy who featured in Introducing, September 1989 issue. Donahue, where do you get off saying you're better than guys you've never wrestled? Especially Lex Luger. I'd suggest you either shut your mouth or have someone like Lex shut it for you. I was very excited by what Lex did to Rick Steamboat. I can't wait for the total package to take this proper place at the top of the NWA. Todd Hill, Hillsboro, Embry must stay. Eddie Elner, he must be crazy when he suggests that Eric Embry be banned from world class. From the article, A Quick Fix for World Class Madness, Ban Eric Embry, the October 1989 issue. Embry has saved world class from the evil doings of General Skandar Akbar time and time again. But Elner, he thinks that all Embry is doing is stirring up trouble. But as usual, he is wrong. This sport needs more men like Eric Embry. Eric is popular because the people realize that he'll do anything for his friends. And his friends, well, they do anything for him. Remember how Percy Pringle started a petition to get Eric reinstated after he lost that loser-leave-town match to Gary Young? <laughs> they were inspired by Eric's courage and didn't want to see Akbar have the last laugh. Carrie San Gabriel, Houston, Texas. Horseman, ride again? In your article, Blanchard, Anderson, Wyndham, and question mark, is J.J. Dillon rebuilding the four horsemen in the WWF? You speculated about who might become the fourth horseman. Huh, I don't think it will be Ted DiBiase. The horsemen revolved around Ric Flair, and in order for them to regroup successfully, they'll have to have someone with the influence and charisma of Flair. DiBiase does not fit the bill. I had a horrible thought, though. What if the horsemen try to recruit Hulk Hogan? He was once a rule breaker, you know, and the horsemen might try to woo him back to his former ways. And besides, who else in the WWF has the charisma of Ric Flair and a world title to boot? Hogan has even been named on Dusty Rhodes' hit list. Both Hogan and Dusty have huge egos for sure, and Rhodes is the archenemy of the horsemen. Need I say more? Tim H. Irving, North Carolina. What do we know? Boy, you guys are sure idiots. I used to think you knew a lot about wrestling, but since reading a couple of recent issues, I see that you know nothing about the sport. Here are some of the completely ridiculous statements you and your magazine have made. You wrote that the honky-tonk man, quote, is not even close to being on the list of contenders for Hulk Hogan's world title. 
If that's so, then why did Honky Tonk recently battle Hogan for the belt on Saturday night's main event? Listen, don't blame it on the WWF's weird rating system. You just plain outright didn't know what you were doing. Second, what's with all the wrestling maneuver name changes you guys like to do? Spine Crusher? Spine Stretcher? Spine Breaker? That's three different names you folks made up for the same move. The correct name for the so-called Spine Breaker is the Atomic Drop. Ted Burrett, West Palm Beach, Florida. Going back to the Adonis thing I wanted to point out, too. Relax with Trudy. Is that that is a good example. To me, the Adrian Adonis gay gimmick is a really good example of guys that they know what they want to do. Like Vince and them know they wanted to make him this homosexual character. Right. But in their opinion, homosexual men that are flamboyant wear like giant triangles, like drawn around their eyes. I mean, I get like, yeah, like the real, like the makeup was so bizarre and left field that it didn't make it. It didn't wrap up and tie into, you know, you look like a gorgeous George and you see how he had the curls and the hair yes. made sense and the robes and the gowns and the flowing and the flower petals all make sense. Cohesive. You look at uh, adorable Adrian Adonis and it's just like, so he has pink tights. He bleaches hair blonde and now he has like big shit drawn on his face. Like yeah. Big well, shapes. for a while he had to have that because Dan Spivey gave him a black eye. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a story I heard. Okay, well, then I guess that would make Yeah, but that's why he had it at one point. But then, like you said, it was just the one. But that was, uh, well, kind of similar to when Gary, in Gary Hart's book, he talks about when he went into Texas for the first time, Mm -hmm. and they wanted him to be gay Gary Hart, but he didn't want to do the effeminate gimmick, so he just kind of came up with something out of left field and said, oh, yeah, and I'm gay. Okay, That's kind of what Adrian Adonis did. So, like, he never really did the... Uh, incidentally, I really liked Goldust when they let him, like when he first Just go came. For it. No, he when went they, for yeah, it. when the first, and like the whole eating the the chocolate bar, yeah. feuding with uh, Ahmed Johnson or whatever. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, like all that stuff was really good because yeah. it was like weirdly believable in. Well, ex- which what which is what wrestling should be. Sure. Instead of the you know movie fighting that right. it's morphed into today. And yeah. do you think someone, hashtag bitter? Right. Do you think? Uh, you know, we've talked about this previously. I think actually we talked about this on our uh, Christmas special episode. You think about Native Americans or Indigenous Americans sure. or however you want to say it, and you think, are there any that were ever really truly able to break out of that mold of just being, look, you're Native American. You're doing a Native American gimmick. There's real, They pretty much get pigeonholed just in that slot, don't they? Right. I, I almost... Wahoo McDaniel, yeah, like still did the gimmick, but I felt did it intelligently. Like he kind of broke out to be a performer, right? Like he was he was a name. I don't know. I can't I can't really qualify it. Like he was one of the top workers. Like he could go in the ring and go on interviews and everything. He had a gimmick, but was also known as a guy that could do stuff. And he didn't always wear the headdress to the ring. Sometimes he would just come down. Right. I feel like the headdress almost played a part. Uh, or I don't do you know. Think, I, I mean, I think he would have had to wear the headdress every, like every time, all, all well, the time. I mean, he's an engine. I understand, but I I n j u n. Oh, jeez, engine. 
please remember again, folks, we are not condoning uh, name calling. Okay. This. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Rick Rude feuding with Wahoo McDaniel. Who wins? Just, no, just oh. wait. Calling him Squahoo McDaniel. Right. Now, again, I might not be in a place to understand this, but is that racist or is that... I'm sorry, Kyle's nodding his head. So, yes, I have my answer. No, but okay, Kyle's young. Never mind. Kyle's young. But no, but the he's, he the, he's the reference I have to ask them. Yeah, I guess that's true. But Kyle, so would that, that be more racist or would that be sexist as well? Because squaw refers to a woman and he's basically saying you're nothing but a weak woman, an Indian weak woman, right? Squaw? I I just saw it as making fun of his name. but, it, but It's it definitely is, making it fun is? of his okay, name, but I think, okay, it's, thank- I, think it's, I think it's multi-tiered, though. Squahoo. So then it's multi-tiered racism and sexism. Well, it's racism and sexism. Well, yes, yes. That's peeling the onion. Okay, so let's ask the question. Can you have wrestling without this? Or does it just become an athletic? It is. It's an interesting question. Do you, can you actually have with, where is the, where is the the turmoil? Where is the, you know, because two guys, is it fun do you? I mean, and I guess this is a question for you, Derek. Do you enjoy watching a wrestling promotion that is more straight sport, like viewed? I guess, like if you think about, I think Ring of Honor maybe plays themselves that way. I I am sorry. My only my I, only I, no. I just want to say that personally, my only vantage point is watching AAW shows. Sure, sure. And um, even though I'm one of their longest-term denouncers, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Um, I will say that the characters and the storylines don't pull me in okay. like they should, even though I'm doing the, the work for them. Right. But ultimately, it doesn't need to pull me in because I'm not who they're selling it to. Sure. So uh, I, 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 I refuse I, I slash can't comment on any of this because... I feel my views are outdated. Sure, no, o- outdated already. So I can't say, well, they need to be doing this. That's bracketed with they need to be doing this in order to more closely resemble my vision of professional wrestling, right? Which may be close to yours, but not a hundred percent on. Sure, no, you I know, see I, that. I'm a, having said that, I'm a great fan of uh, English World of Sport. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Um, a funny story, an anecdote, if you will. Okay. Last summer, Andy and I were at a wrestling show, and we was it so- was it incredibly hot? No, it wasn't. And they that. sold tacos. No. Okay. That was a good show too, but no, it's a different. We actually went to a show and watched some oh, other okay. people do it. Okay. And there was this wrestler, the Japanese wrestler on the show. Uh, is it? I think it's like Kikataro. Kikataro, yeah. Kikataro. And he came out to the ring and he took the microphone and he, and I'm not going to even try to impersonate the uh-huh. voice of a, a Japanese That's person, but he, smart. he said something along the lines of like, thank you very much for coming. Uh-huh. I hope you have fun. Enjoy the wrestling. And he said it in a very, what seemed, but knowing he was Japanese, it was almost like a caricature voice. Uh huh. And he's a very, he's a silly wrestler. He's yes, like a comedy yes, wrestler. Yes. And. He did that little bit, and Andy and I were like, "Huh, he might would maybe be an interesting, right, part of our show." And then we thought, "Well, there's no way we could actually book this guy 
because the climate of the fans and like the fans that come see our show and I'm, this isn't dog and I'm just saying it is what it is. Cause we have right. Not smart, smartened up fans. And we have people that just come for the, right. the festivities, the boobies. They would think we were making fun of a Japanese person because they don't see that that's not a Japanese. They do yeah, not they know don't. that there's a Japanese man underneath that mask. Exactly. And they would think that we are making fun. Yes. And then we would have to go on the uh, defensive and start explaining to us like, no, he's Japanese to people. And we thought, how crazy has it gotten? And I'm, this isn't like, I'm not trying to get off on some tangent right. about the world, but like how crazy has it truly gotten though that a Japanese man doing his gimmick to a certain crowd, that crowd would unfortunately probably de- deem it offensive because they don't understand it. But isn't it a, still a racist gimmick, whether it is a person of that race performing it or not? But if he's just talking in his regular voice oh. underneath a mask, the presumption is that we have a Caucasian white guy, whoever it is, underneath a mask talking that way. And having it sound that way. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure if I agree. I mean, I guess if they thought he was white. Shut up, Kyle. If, no, I'm just kidding. Go if ahead. they didn't think he was white, I think they'd just be like, oh, that's just how he speaks. But the question is then, are we willing to take that chance to have that kind of a backlash in case something would happen? Again, now, people who are listening to this know who this character is. People who are listening to this know wrestling i'm talking about you have a crowd of people like again some of them come for the spectacle are not coming for like do not know that's why we're able to bring in guys like zach gowan they don't know that he we have people that still ask us where did zach gowan hide his leg like did he tape it up like there are people that are asking questions like right that. right so if i have that can i afford to take the chance to bring in someone like kikataro is that his name i was kikataro kikataro and then have to explain that. Do you get what I'm saying? Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying 100%. Uh, to answer your question, yes, it is still a racist gimmick. It is. No, I think it is. Because and even I think he comes out there with that intention of being yeah. like saying it silly and putting the affect on the speech the way it is. I would just like to use this time to state that I am friends with some guys in the Chicago indie scene, a pair of African-American wrestlers that are a tag team called the N-Word. Absolutely. Yes. Dude, just, just great. The N-word. You know how that sounds? That sounds like you're like, I've got a lot of black friends. No, I'm just like, oh, we should have brought this up earlier. How do they I, do? I, how are they? I mean, I, I how are, what, I'm sure, because I've seen them wrestle in Milwaukee. And right. And they're around. They seem to be successful. People seem to be able right. to bite on that. Is it because they're owning that gimmick? They're owning I it would have to own? say so. Yeah. Uh, yes. And I will say that from one of them, I've heard from one of them i've heard some of the funniest racist jokes i've ever heard wow that's all i can say yeah he's the one telling them so and he's telling to you so but it's... sorry they're funny okay yeah a jo- well i mean that's a it comes from thing. a bad place but jokes yeah i mean jokes, jokes are jokes and, but... right and exactly and it's like they can be in bad taste but yes. they uh but they still, can still, still be still very funny. they can still be very humorous very funny. so i mean and again i guess here we are we've somehow brought ourselves up to this present day which right i'm not a huge huge fan of um, uh, that's fine i don't want to bring politics in there I, I am saying that the sport needs to evolve but at some point will it evolve to a point you know right 
and they were needed. And though. I guess, it, and I guess, it is all a reflection on society because promoters will only sell what people are buying. Right. Well, <laughs> not necessarily, but uh, you get what I'm saying. As yeah. pe- and as society changes, wrestling will be will be and has been forced to change along with it. So when you have a character, and I'm going to take us back, and like we're going to go back in time now, get out of this current state of. Whatever yeah, let's in. get back to the days where the good old days. Dames were bringing us whiskey, and then right, sashayed on out of here. Um, yes, the Florida wrestling, sure, Dusty Roads, sure. You see a lot written about and interviews with people and documentary stuff about it, talking about how him being the you know he of course we all know son of a plumber, all of that right. great stuff, and. I've heard numerous times and numerous stories about how he was able to captivate that uh, African-American market sure. down south. Sure. Um, and again, a term, I'm sorry, a term that's thrown around a lot now is that like appropriation of a culture. Right. Um, but definitely something the business did in territories around Dusty, one of the forerunners to do something like that. Would you agree, do you think? Or? Uh, well, I mean, he was successful at it. Right. Was that... Um, what about when it came to like on the East Coast and the Upper East Coast? It was so driven by nationalities, like the right. But Dusty areas. went up there as the Texas hero, the American dream, and basically paraded around the ring like an overweight African American woman. So he did, but he did the like right. I'm from Texas, American dream, but he was doing still doing like the jive. Yeah, in the ring there. he did. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen that much Dusty in New York stuff. Oh, really? I've seen some. I've seen like the matches. I've never seen. <laughs> well, like, what else do you, what else well, do you no, think but there I'm is? Saying, but, like he's done some like the interviews and things that he had done. Yeah, just those assembly line interviews. interviews that they do. Right. So I just, I guess I, I didn't see him. What's well, as... this big one where he's talking to Killer Khan and Killer Khan is being managed by Blassie or something? It's like, Killer, you better check your money. You know, because the managers were always stealing. Ah, there you go. They, um, how was the East Coast broken up uh, when it came to race? Earthquake? Yes. <laughs> this isn't Planet of the Apes. Oh, okay. Uh, no, how was the, but the East Coast was broken up because it's like, was New York was specific, was, was New York like Italian, was like Pennsylvania something? Were they like, as far as ethnicity went? I, I should say not race. But I ethnicity. don't know if it was that strictly, that strictly broken up that you could say this was blank and this was blank. And did they give everybody their own shots though? Like they gave, of course, Bruno had his shot. Pedro had his, like they kind of gave all the different ethnicities their like time to shine, so to speak in the, like on the East yes. coast. Well, well I, I mean, as the star, Bruno was bringing in the money. Yeah. Cause even though he was Italian, he appealed to, you know, everybody everywhere. So that, came in he got tired didn't want to be the champion anymore so they gave it to pedro morales now pedro sold good in new york and a few other towns but like wasn't as popular in other areas because of the lack of a puerto rican population or whatever yeah plus uh it was starting to get dangerous with with pedro on top what do you mean by that uh more fights in the crowd and stuff like that why would that happen i don't want to say See, and that's exactly what I'm talking about, Derek, racism and 
race and how it plays a part. I don't know who's going to hear this. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> kidding. No, but uh, I but, mean, and this is all what I've read and reflections right. of business at the time. So they went back to Bruno to get the houses up who wanted to work a reduced schedule. Yeah. Now, uh, just Vince McMahon was always, you know, an ethnic promoter, like to promote the different ethnicities and stuff like that. So he had the Italian, had the Puerto Rican, had the Italian again, decided to go with the all American boy. That's where Bob Backlund came from. So in a way he was looking for another, you know, another race or another nationality to put on top and instead chose white meat America and just went that way. Yeah. And then. And the NWA itself never really went away from a typical white meat. Um, NWA was a different story altogether. Yeah. They needed a champion that could defend himself. Right. Could defend himself and work the NWA champion style of making the hometown hero look good. Okay. So, and, but there was never what, I'm trying to think, like, who were the top in the NWA, even though not champion, but, like, who were the top? like African-American or um, different race, nationality people that worked uh, for like something, someone like the NWA. Well, remember the NWA was all sorts of uh, promoters. Right, so right. everybody had their own. Right. But wasn't there, was, was it like Ernie Ladd, people like that? Ernie or Ladd went all over. Uh, Tony Atlas was in the Carolinas. Tiger Conway Jr. was in Texas or wherever he was. Gotcha. And that's, I mean, so there wasn't like, there was never a heavyweight chain. There was certainly never an NWA heavyweight champion. Right. Right. Because look at the owners, you know, what about tag team NWA uh, tag team champions? Well, as, as going back to our (laughs) ill-fated NWA (laughs) tag tag team episode, every area had their own tag team champions. Sure. So yes, there were, there were several. Yes. So there were several. That's the way it worked. If you had to look back, and we've talked about, uh, was it Burhead Jones we spoke about once before? <sighs> Burhead Jones and Porkchop Cash. And Porkchop Cash. And on eBay, at one point, this is going back 15 years, but there was an old wrestling poster advertised uh, uh, promoting the Gas House WAP. Really? Yes. See, like that's the kind of stuff that that's, I find uh, awesome. Yeah, well, I find that... Awesome in the way that, I, it, like, in its time. Like, yeah. A like, from its time. Yeah. It's not certainly something you would want, like in your front window right but it is there's a whole subculture of advertising and stuff like that for racially and nationally insensitive right i enjoy looking at it because it makes me giggle i'm not saying no right it's not great but it's just something to see it's very non-pc yes um there was the uh boogie woogie man angle with um pez watley Yes, based on the whole best black athlete. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, I thought that was an interesting concept because isn't it? Is that where he went off to become Shasta? Wasn't it? Or was he still Pez yes. at that? Well, he was Pez then, but then I think he was reborn and became Shasta Watley. Yeah. Well, and then he even did the tag team, the Jive Tones. Tones. Yeah. Right. So, which so again, Burhead Jones, the Jive Tones, Pork Chop Cash, Gaslight Wop. We think of all these Gas House Wop. Gas House. Gas house wop? Well, it's three words. Gas house wop. What's a gas house? I'm assuming it's like a gas station. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was thinking gaslight, and that doesn't make sense either. No. So some kind of... I'm thinking he just lived at the auto garage or something. Would that... He had a room, you know, okay. up over top, and that's... Um, trained every day by 
moving tires. What a, so <laughs> that being said, what are some of the things that you've heard in wrestling names, nicknames? Not like I'm not talking about like what in the slang. Hell? No. What have they called this guy? No, but like that's a great one is Gas House Wop. Like that is a crazy thing. Or to me, again, Burhead Jones is crazy. Right. We talked about uh, Chris Colt uh, doing, they did like the Nazi gimmick, right? right. And even you have a lot of those guys. Was it the Von uh, Brower? Was that they did the. Uh, or was that? Oh, it? the Von Brauers were with uh, Saul Weingeroff. So okay. that was the Nazis with the Jewish manager. Gotcha. So. Uh, Playing on a whole nother set of. Right. That's yeah. A, yeah. Just an, an absolutely. But this is also what wrestling has always been, though. The, right. The exaggeration of character in order to get stuff in. So I guess. To sum up, we can kind of say that, yes, it's all this exaggeration of character, and in pursuit of that, has historically gone into some very non-politically correct areas in order to convey that. Now the question is, how do you convey that and generate that type of emotion without crossing these social lines that have been right. drawn? And how do we view this stuff at the We past? ask you, the viewer. Yes, or listener. Oh, yeah, I guess. I was, um, I was doing the like the end of plan nine from outer space space. sure with criswell um but where do we and i guess again a final thought to this too would be where do we go or where what do we do now that all the children have grown where do we go (laughs) oh no i was doing alan parsons project oh and i was doing guns and roses yeah so we were in two we were doing two different things there mine was better okay uh but where where do Another we put guilty that pleasure of mine lately has been uh, "White Lies, Blue Eyes" oh, from Bullet. Yes, I'm familiar with that song actually. Where do we go as, from here now that all the children have grown up, and how do we spend our time knowing no one gives us a damn? Right, and all these wrestling gimmicks have do, gone by the do, wayside. Do, it's a sad do, time. Do, 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 do we? I don't want to live here no more. Jesus, we haven't done this podcast in a while. I can tell just from the way you're really going at it. So. Gonna spend the rest of. I'm sorry. How do we treat this stuff though? How do we treat the stuff of the past? Do we look at it and do we say it's a thing of the past? We look at it and say, ah, it is what it is. Should we be? I don't believe in being retroactively offended by anything. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, I agree with that. I also, but I agree that if you're seeking out historical wrestling, you know what you're gonna. You know get. what you're gonna get. Yeah. So I mean, at, at again, this is another thin line to walk here but i would say you've already given your consent to see those images or portrayals right by your pursuit of the subject matter you have to know yeah that it's that it's happening yes right and as that i would encourage you to look at it as part of how that was used in the machine of what professional wrestling was during that time period right um again uh, before the before the show of the day, I gave you this reproduction of the 1985 NWA booklet that I got off eBay. And to me, this broke open my mind as to, oh, how the business really worked. You were having trouble, you know, drawing people in your crowd. Oh, let's pull out this book. Go up, oh, let me give this guy a call. Right. And under the business agreement, you and this other guy, yep, you know, and they would trade trade their cattle, so to speak. Ah, I got a good looking baby face. Give him three weeks and then send him off somewhere. Right. Right. You know, no, and it, I so think, in in that it it was a cog into how wrestling was portrayed. So you can look at it in that respect. I'm not saying you should certainly look at it for, you know, how to express yourself today. Right. 
but it, it you know it's a neat it's a neat thing do you look at it I feel well. I, I feel like I know what your answer would, to this would be because I know shirtless, your, your cynical, uh, pessimistic view of life and uh, whatnot. Just the man. The man got to me. Well, that's all I'm saying. So when you look back and you see, all encompassing, we talk about this and how this, and when you hear retrospectives on wrestling, no matter who it is. And you hear sometimes these stories about people talking and breaking down the quote-unquote barriers or uh-huh. they were the first to do this or this person wrestled here and this and that. Do you look at it and you go, wow, that is inspiring, that is very uh, like forward-thinking? Or do you just go, just another carny exploiting oh, the sorry. situation? Oh, sorry, just another carny. Just exploiting the situation. No. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's, it's all, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And get in almost like uh, playing on the sympathies of the people or playing on the emotions of the people and just running with it. Like Gorilla Monsoon said, if you're not in this business to make money, you're a fool. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Cigars and Conversations with Derek St. Holmes Esquire. He literally just dropped, like set the mic down. Mic drop. Just like that. Well, like a set down. We're not supposed to drop the mics. I know, but I'm saying you just set it down real. Like you said that cool phrase and then you just like put it down. That was awesome. Now, because he's got to go to the bathroom. You've been listening to Cigars and Conversations with Derek St. Holmes, Esquire. I am your co-host, Jay Gilkay. Thank you for listening. Please remember, tell your friends, rate, review, recommend, share, everything. We want to hear from you, too. Please, by all means, leave comments on our Facebook page. We are brought to you exclusively through Astro Radio Z and iTunes. Or is it Apple Music now? Or is it Apple? Apple something? iTunes, Apple Music, something along that line. Also, we are available, I've noticed, on a few other uh, podcast apps out there. My wife has one on her iPad, and I found us on there as well. Uh, I forgot the name. So do the homework yourself, guys and girls. We will see you next time.